Hey Cassidy, welcome home. My name is Stephen Mitchell and I am the lead pastor here at Cassidy Church Online and we are so excited that you are joining us, that you are here with us today and in a, in a time when we can come together online, in a time when we can build the community of God even though it's in an online setting. Uh, we're excited that you're partnering with us and that you're spending some of your time today with us and so I'd, I'd like to encourage you, um, if, you're, uh, if you're part of our online community know this, that we are going to uh, not be backing away from our online community. Even though we're starting to meet again in person, uh, we are committed uh, and we have invested in being part of an online community. So whether you're uh, not able to come because of COVID-19 concerns or you're not able to come because you're geographically uh, located further away from us than you want to drive, whatever it is, you're, in, you're included, you're encouraged, and uh, hopefully you'll continue to partner with us and be a part of what we're doing here at Cassidy. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to do was say, if you're new here, if you're a visitor here, you are welcome here. We are excited that you are joining us. We're excited that you have taken some time out of your day to be a part of what we're doing and to maybe get to know us a little bit better. Hopefully in us, you will find a group of folks who recognize we're not perfect and, and, and we want to be more like Jesus. And so uh, we get together so that we can learn about who God is, so that we can uh, rally around one another, pray for one another, lift one another up so that we can walk the, this walk that God has placed in front of us in a time such as this so that we can grow in our relationship with God and our relationship with others so that we can share the good news of Jesus Christ with those around us. Uh, if you were here last week, you got to start with us when we started a new sermon series called Armor Up. Uh, you saw the intro video, uh, and the idea was that we were going to have Vacation Bible School was going to be this, this massive thing, and we were going to have uh, all of the, these, uh, the, they were going to go on the quest for the king's armor, which is the armor of God, which is where we're getting our name. And, and we were going to go in tandem, and, and we were going to partner with our children uh, for Vacation Bible School, which is uh, when all the children would have come here to learn about that. And, and the reality of COVID and uh, registration numbers being low because there's a resurgence in COVID now happening, uh, we have decided that we're going to back up from that, that we're not going to do VBS live. We're going to try and find a way to, uh, uh, to do some online stuff for our, our children's ministry uh, for Vacation Bible School and also we're going to uh, have a family fun night that's going to be, uh, hey, come, we're going to be able to socially distance, play with water, uh, maybe have a slip and slide, who knows what we're going to be able to do, uh, but it's going to be an opportunity to come together and to uh, hang out together. So even though the children aren't going to be a part of uh, this, this quest for the king's armor, we're going to continue our quest for the king's armor. We're going to continue searching for what it means to put on the full armor of God that Paul talks about in the letter that he wrote to the church in Ephesus. And uh, we, we recognize that Paul was, was not always a follower of Christ, that he became a follower of Christ later, and then Christ called him to the mission of, of growing his church to the Gentiles, which is everybody that wasn't a Jew. And so Paul goes to all of these churches. And last week we talked about how Paul, in his letter to the, to the church in Ephesus, called the letter to the Ephesians, uh, was encouraging those people to put on the full armor of God. And he did so by starting by saying, hey, 
I want you to realize why you're putting on this armor. This armor is not so that you can go to war with other people, but it's so that you can be protected against our enemy, the devil, uh, against the schemes of wickedness in the spiritual realms, these types of things. And so we recognize that we have an enemy. Uh, and this week, we're going to start and we're going to be putting on different pieces of the armor of God and what that means, what that looks like. I wanted to start, though, by asking you a question. Have you ever experienced, uh, whether it's from a coworker or a friend or a family member or somebody that you met on the street, somebody that you know uh, some, somehow, or, or even someone that you don't know, that they have said or done things and, and those things were, were scripturally, scripturally accurate, but they were wounding to you? That they were used, the Bible was used in a way to manipulate you and make you feel guilty. The Bible was used in a way to cause you harm and pain. The Bible was used in a way to break your spirit and, and to beat you down. If that's the case, if, if, if you have had that experience, uh, I wanted to say that's not the intention of the Bible. And, and I have a, a good friend, uh, he, we used to work together at a different church, and he was a youth pastor in Florida before that. And, and one day he was driving home from work, and he was all about Jesus Christ, all about trying to build up this, this community of students and, and help them to grow in relationship and, and be more like Jesus, uh, just like we talk about. And I know his heart, his heart is for, uh, it beats for Jesus Christ. And so he was encouraged and excited about this. And he saw a guy on the side of the road with, uh, with a bullhorn uh, and, and the guy was shouting at the cars. And, and so he decided, hey, I wonder what this guy's message is. You know, maybe, maybe it's something important. And so he turns around and goes and finds a place to park on this busy road, gets out, and then starts walking up to the guy with the bullhorn yelling at the traffic. And he gets close enough that, that he's like, hey, man, uh, you know, I'm a youth pastor down the road at a church right down, down the road. And I'm just wondering what your message is. What is it you're trying to, to say? And instead of a, a conversation, instead of a greeting of, hey, uh, hey, I'm just out here for this, the guy turned his bullhorn from the traffic and pointed it at my friend and began to continue to condemn and threaten with the fires of hell his life if, if he didn't change his ways. If you don't change your ways, you're going to burn in hell. That was the guy's message. Change your ways or burn in hell. And he didn't care who, who my friend was. He didn't care what, what, where my friend was in the spectrum. He didn't want to have a conversation. He just wanted to push his agenda forward. And I think far too frequently the Bible is used in that way, that it can be something that wounds and, and causes harm. And maybe you've experienced that. Like we said, I, I, my, my guess is we've all experienced that a little bit. Maybe it wasn't intentional. Maybe it was just a, a comment said out of the blue, and, and it was something that caused you pain and caused you harm. Uh, and, and so I wanted to, to kind of start there because if we look deeply enough, maybe, maybe if we're honest enough with ourselves, one of the things we'll notice is that it hasn't just been done to us, that maybe we've been the perpetrators of this as well. 
Maybe it hasn't been with a bullhorn on a street corner. Maybe instead it's been to a friend or family member that you meant well for them. You wanted them to understand that their ways were not the ways of God, but you, you went around it, about it in a way that caused harm. Or even maybe that you didn't say anything, but inside you're holding people to this, this level of expectation that even you can't attain. But when they don't make, measure up, boy, it's, it's easy to condemn them in our hearts and to hold a grudge against them for not measuring up to stuff that we can't do on our own. And so I wanted to start there because, because it's important for us to realize that f- over the history of time, people have used the Bible to wound and cause harm. And, and that's not the intention of the Bible. And so we're going to look at what Paul is talking about with this armor of God because it plays right in to that. And it comes from the, this letter to the Ephesians like we were talking about. Uh, and it comes from chapter 6, verse 14 and 15. And it says this, uh, it says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place, in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. It's interesting when, when Paul starts talking about the armor of God, he doesn't start by talking about weapons. Instead, he, he starts by talking about um, he starts by talking about the, the belt of truth. And what we're going to find when we look at, at this, this set of Scripture is that Paul builds off of each piece of armor, that each piece is dependent on the piece previous. And, and, and we need to understand that because Paul is building us up through putting on the armor of God so that we can be prepared to be a part of what God wants us to be doing and defend ourselves against the enemy that is against us. And so he starts with this belt of truth, not with a sword, not with a weapon, but with a belt. And it's not a, a, a belt that, that is a, a, a cudgel or a mace, or a, a truth that is a cudgel or a mace, but a belt that holds everything together. And so the belt of truth is the understanding of God's word applied with the hope it is intended with. You see, the Bible is a story of God's love and self-revelation to his people, uh, that he created all things and that he loves us even though we have turned away from him and that he came after us in the person of Jesus. And, and this is the hope that we have in the Bible. And there's nothing in there that says, instead of turn your cheek when somebody does you wrong, or instead of doing those things, there's nothing in there that says, hold them up and convict them. And if they're wrong, let them know how wrong they are, because that will lead them into repentance. No, if you're outside of the faith, there is no no reason to be attacking. And if they're outside of the faith, there's no reason to, to have those conversations. There's no beneficial measure for that. And using the Bible as a weapon is not what it's all about. You see, friends, the Bible is being used as a weapon against others. It's a Bible being misused. It's a Bible that's being abused. It's being used to cause harm when the intent of the Bible is to reveal a God of love and grace and the God who sends us Jesus Christ. And so if that's where you, where you begin, 
Uh, if, if your default uh, operating procedure is that you're going to attack with the Word of God, then I want to say you're, you're doing it wrong. Um, and, and we need to back up and take a look at ourselves so that we're not the ones that are convicting others, but instead that we are being convicted by God and transforming from the inside out and sharing love with others so that we can help them to know what God is all about. And here's uh, another quote from my, my good friend C.S. Lewis. Uh, I really wish I would have been able to hang out with him. And he says this, it is Christ himself, not the Bible, who is the true word of God. The Bible, read in the right spirit and with the right guidance of good teachers, will bring us to him. We must not use the Bible as some sort of encyclopedia out of which texts can be taken for use as weapons. Out of which texts can be taken for use as weapons. This, this is not the intent of the Bible. It's not this set of, of, of small one-line attacking barbs that we can hit other people with. It, it's instead a view of grace. And that's why C.S. Lewis talks about how we need to understand and, and, and be taught about the meaning of the Bible so that we can better understand who God is and, and what God's plan is for us. And, and so this is where we're going to start because if, if our idea is to cause harm with the Word of God, then, then we're doing it all wrong. And so we need to start with the belt of truth, that we wrap ourselves in the belt of truth that Jesus came and, and offers Himself to us so that we can be ready for doing the work of God. And, and that's what this whole section is about. So we start with the belt of truth uh, so that we can share that truth with our, ourselves, so that we can understand what that truth is and then share that truth with others. And then we put on the breastplate of righteousness. Uh, the breastplate of righteousness is not something that we have on our own. It's not our own righteousness that we put on, but it's the breastplate of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And here's, here's why this, is, this builds on truth. is because, and this is going to get into a little bit of a churchy word, we're talking about the imputed grace of Christ. Here's what that means. We have done nothing to deserve God's grace or righteousness. We did nothing to receive Christ's righteousness other than to receive it. We, 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 it, we weren't good enough. We didn't work long enough. We can't do enough to receive that gift. That is a free gift from God. It's by grace through faith that we receive the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And it's not our own righteousness that we put on, but Christ's righteousness. And so we can't find in ourselves somebody that's puffed up. We can't say, well, look at all the good things I've done, because instead it's what Jesus has done in us that makes a difference. Not what we have done on Jesus' behalf, not how hard we have worked, not how many hours we have lectured to others about following Jesus Christ. No, none of that. It is about what God has done on our behalf. When we were far from God, He was still right there trying to woo us back into relationship. When we were far from God, His righteousness was still available to us. And now that we draw closer to God, even now, His righteousness needs to be on the forefront of our mind because if we're puffed up on our own self 
confidence on our own self-satisfaction, then, then we are losing sight of the gift that we have received in Jesus Christ. So we put truth on first, and then this breastplate of righteousness, because it paints for us a picture of a God who loves us. And it reminds us always that it is not our own, uh, our own efforts that have gotten us here, but the effort of God within us that brings us to this place. And then, and only then, are we able to put on the shoes or the sandals in, in, in Roman, uh, Roman military. And that's the picture of, of, what Ro- of what Paul is using for armor, is this idea of a Roman centurion, um, is that Paul is talking about, hey, make sure your feet are shod, so you have on the shoes uh, that are a preparedness to share the gospel of peace. So only when we have truth and only when we recognize Christ's righteousness in us and we, we wrap ourselves in that, are we able then to take that next step and be prepared to share the gospel of peace. Not the gospel of harm, not the gospel of, of degrading others, but the gospel of peace. Gospel means good news. And, and if you're sharing the word of God and it's not good news, uh, not, not saying that everything needs to be sunshine and rainbows, right? When we follow Christ, we recognize that we're not where we need to be. And we want to continue to, to make ourselves uh, follow Him and, and to submit more of our lives to Him and to, to be obedient to Him more and more each and every day. So there's that. But when we're sharing with people outside of the faith, it is not so that we can do harm. This, again, goes back to that first picture. Yelling on the street corner with a bullhorn is not the way to share the good news of Jesus Christ. It's not good news to be shouted at. It's not good news to be demeaned or belittled. And so we need to recognize that. And there's a great picture in, in the, the New Testament book of Acts of how somebody was prepared to share that good news. Uh, there was a guy named Philip. Philip was one of the apostles of Jesus Christ. And it's after Jesus' death and resurrection. And Philip is on a mission to share the good news with all of those he encounters, with uh, the people that need to hear the gospel. And so uh, God had told him, hey, Philip, I've I've got somebody I want you to go talk to. Uh, You're going to encounter this Ethiopian, and I want you to be ready to go and share the good news. And it says this in the Bible, in Acts. Actually, I went one too far. So Philip ran to him. I, I love that, that. What a great way to start. Philip didn't just make his way over to him. Philip ran to him and, and heard him reading. This is the Ethiopian. Heard him reading Isaiah, the prophet, and asked, do you understand what you are reading? Now, he heard him reading Isaiah. He was reading about the suffering servant of Isaiah, which is the person of Jesus, how Jesus must suffer and, and die on our behalf. And, and then he continues, and he said, how can I, this is the Ethiopian, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And so Philip gets up with the Ethiopian in order to, uh, to, to share that news, in order to give him the understanding. And so he shares with this Ethiopian uh, what it looks like 
to follow Jesus Christ, how Jesus is the fulfillment of the scriptures he was just reading, how Jesus is the one who came to earth and, and through his life, death, and resurrection offers freedom and liberation and life and hope in God to others. And, and, and he shared the good news, the gospel, and, and they got out and they, he baptized the Ethiopian because there was water nearby, and, and the Ethiopian then went on his way praising God, and Philip went elsewhere. And so we need to understand that when we put on the belt of truth, when we put on the breastplate of righteousness, it is so that we can be prepared to share the good news that Jesus has for us. The good news that Jesus longs for us to share with others. The news of hope, not of harm, but a news of hope. And so I want us to be encouraged by this. And, and maybe you're sitting out there and you're like, man, I have done this all wrong for so long. I, I hear you uh, because I, I'm, I've been right there with you. I have spoken to people uh, and, and used the Bible to wound instead of to lift up. And, and, and I've done that in my heart. And so I want you to know that there's hope for all of us, that we can, we can together seek the grace that God offers to us. And then we can share that grace with others. We can share that grace by loving people where they are and helping them take their next steps on their spiritual journey. That's what we exist for. That's why we're here as a church so that we can share the good news of Jesus Christ. And so we start there, knowing that, that that's what we're called to. And we put on this belt of truth that, that encourages us because we understand who God is and whose we are. And then we put on this breastplate of righteousness so that we can always remember that it is not by our own deeds, but it is by the gift of God that we have received life. And then we are prepared to share that good news. And so what I want for you to do, what I would love for us to do as a community of faith is to start each day and ask one simple question. Uh, God, how do you want to use me today? Now, I'm going to be honest with you. This is a, a dangerous question because it's not easy uh, the reason it's not easy is because God will take you up on that and God will show you how he wants you to be used. And, and I want you to encourage you, you know, you know, I said, we need to be prepared to share the good news, to share the gospel. This is not a, an excuse to use for, well, I didn't hear God tell me to share the good news. God is always telling you to share the good news. God is always providing opportunities in relationship and in public where you have this opportunity to share who God is. And, and uh, the time right now is not a good time to, to be running up to people and and breaking social distancing, but it's also, it, it also does not mean that we don't continue to share the good news, the hope that Christ offers us. That's not what any of this is about. God wants us to be prepared. Jesus tells us that he's already done everything. All the planting and watering and, and, and growing has happened, and, and we are here to sow the seeds that he, God, has planted and so we're, we're ready always, and we're prepared with, with the belt of truth, with the breastplate of righteousness, and with our feet shod with the shoes of readiness to share the good news. And, and, and what would that look like? What would it look like if the church 
learned not to push an agenda. And by the church, I mean all of us individually. Not to push an agenda. It's not me first. It's how can I serve you? Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve. And Jesus doesn't call us to be served, but to serve. So what would that look like if everyone in the church, not just Cassidy, but the church universal, took that to heart? What would it look like? How much love could we share with the world? How much could we convince the world that Jesus' message is good news? Not a message of condemnation and of brokenness, but a message of hope and encouragement. And we have to remember that we have to stop wounding others with what is meant to bring life. The message that Jesus offers is hope and encouragement. Let's remember that and let's take that to heart and let's hold firmly to the gift that we have already received and know that God is with us and we can be there for others. Let's go to God in prayer. Holy One, you have done so much on our behalf. There is nothing that we can do to win your love, nothing that we can do to earn our righteousness, nothing that we can do to, to, to get in uh, to your good graces. But you love us anyway, and you offer to us your righteousness. You offer grace upon grace, overflowing and overwhelming us. Let us be overcome by your grace. Let us be overcome by the words of hope of Jesus Christ. And let us share from a place of love just how much it is that you mean to us and to the world. And, and Father, if there's anyone out there that hears this message that's on the fence about taking a step of faith and following you because they've, they've been harmed by folks that, that have used your word as a weapon. Father, I, I pray that you would be right there with them, that you would wrap them up in your grace and that this message would penetrate their hearts and more so that your Holy Spirit would be there and that you would help them to take a step across that line of faith, to receive Jesus Christ in their lives and to be transformed themselves and to come to life in who you are. Father, help us to do just that. Help us to be raised to life in, in you. Help us to recognize the gift that we have in you and, and help us, even, even if we've been Christian from the beginning of, of our lives and all we remember is following you, help us to be reminded of just how good you are. Help us to be reminded of just how much grace we have received and help us to fall head over heels in love with you so that we can share that love with everyone we encounter. We ask this in the name of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And everybody agreed and said, Amen.